M-O-M. Me. I just want to be loved. Warning. Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Everybody to another episode of Supernatural The Crossroads. I'm your host, Thomas Cowley. Joined with me, as always, or at least more often than not, is Ryan Denton Sir. and Michael Flores. Holler. And we are back after a very, very long, somewhat weird second are we in winter. 16 now? <laughs> second winter Groundhog Day Helatus. If where this was Sci-Fi Channel, it would be like season fifteen point two. It would be. Oh, absolutely, it would be. Yeah. What is this, Battlestar Galactica? Don't, how dare you? <laughs> season five point three and a half. Yeah. They did some weird shit over there. They yeah, did. but that show was awesome till the end. Amazing so. show. Uh, anyway, about this show here, we've had a weird ass six week break since it came back for I think three episodes and then went immediately on break again. And now it's going to have that again, if you listen to the pre-show. Thanks with a lot, coronavirus. Coronavirus epidemic. Uh, excuse me, COVID-19. Whatever it's called. Who is this corona? Is she hot? Uh, I don't know. I've drinking a few of her friends. Oh. Let's just say if you meet her, you'll want to stay home the entire week. I heard she gets you really hot uh, and bothered, if you know what I mean. It's a disease. Anyway. Is this the dad joke hour? It yeah, is. What is going on? It is, dude. It's Everybody's been trapped in their homes. You know, we haven't had... Homes? Yes, we haven't had episodes to watch. We haven't had a lot of things. Normalcy is way of the past, it seems. But after a dozen episodes now, we've really had a strong one that hits certain emotions. And more importantly, a certain sensation, I guess, if you will, that it really did feel like for the first time, perhaps more than any of the other episodes even, at least in season 15, it felt like we were kind of near the end, that things are coming to an end, that there is an apocalyptic doomsday, doomsday scenario on the horizon. And this is something that we've talked about at length this season because the uh, ghost apocalypse premiere that was lackluster, which is putting it charitably. That's very charitable. And other elements of just not really feeling like the stakes were as raised as high as they should be. Here we see the special effects crew saved a lot of money for this episode. <laughs> they did. There's definitely a sense of dread and foreboding. And Robert Barron's, once again, dude, home stretch, doubles down, works with Meredith Glynn on this one to bring out some strong emotions, some great visuals. That's a and power really, team. It is a great team. Yeah. And really set the the really set the stage for the end game here, you know, not to sound like Avengers, but that is a great statement for this. We're getting towards 
All right, Doctor Strange, simmer down over there. Team Free Will Assemble! (laughs) Oh. Well, and it's it's nice to see that Barons got to write this episode because it really did act as not just an episode of Supernatural, but a a wrap-up for his unfortunately failed spinoff attempt with the Wayward Sisters, where he finally gets to neatly wrap up some of the lingering elements that we in a, a bonus show not too long ago just talked about things we wanted addressed one more time before the show comes to an end. I'm glad that he was given the opportunity to not only write an episode that was myth arc heavy, but also something that he could use to wrap up a story idea that he had started Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know Ryan did the whole like raspberry sound over there over wayward uh, sisters, but you know yeah. that if Barons was the showrunner, it doesn't matter if Claire would have been the lead or not. No, I, you know, the show would have been would fucking have been great. Well, it, it, it would be a disservice to not let him wrap up the story that he was going to do. Anyway. Yeah. So it was nice that he got to do that. I just wasn't a big fan. I wasn't of wayward sisters idea, but. I mean, if he was the one that was doing the show running, I think it would have been, it probably would have You know it would have been good. Yeah, it would have been okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it's nice to see that he did get to, maybe not the way he wanted, well, we know for a fact, not the way that it was ever intended to be done, but at least he did get to wrap that up in some semblance of a way. And not only that, we have him once again deliver everything we've been asking for, for for a number of weeks now, one of which was how Chuck fits into everything how the universe the universe works. We talked about this for a number of Jesus, maybe years now since it first came about in season 13 with the multiverse and cosmic entities. And how does God slash Chuck play a role in that? Where does he stand? And now we have an idea that not only was he the creator of everything, he is the one who's in charge, but that there is an end game for him as well, that he too will be defeated, reaped, die at some point. And not only that, Barons did a great job of hitting on many of the things that we, as a show, here at the Crossroads, have been talking about that we've needed answers to just for, again, years. Well, that just shows how in tune he is with the show and that he understands what needs to be addressed. And also, I mean, it, it does validate our show a bit. Absolutely. For the, for the people out there that complain that we like to complain, <laughs> it's, we're not complaining. We're just, t- I don't we're, like we're, to do it. we're touching on the obvious and an obvious, if you understand how to break down writing and Barron's obviously sees the exact same things because Thomas, no joke. He literally touched on at least 70% of what we have been talking about. One, and, two, and, and, think now, and not things. just, and not just the negative, like things that need to be fixed. We're talking about just things that would make sense. Like, hey, we need to kind of address this because we're coming to the end of the show. And if the show was an ending, then guess what? We don't really need to address it immediately. But now that we have just a few episodes left, it would be remiss not to explain ideas like where does God fit into all of this? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they're being tackled. And Barron's is the man to do the job. Because he did yeah. it so seam seamlessly and just everything felt it didn't feel like he was trying to do things. It didn't feel overt. It was very seamless within the narrative. Yeah. 
It did, I mean, there were a couple bits that you could have groaned at at first, and I know, Mike, even you yourself did. The opening five seconds. Right. I was. Yep. I rolled my eyes. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. But then as you listen to the monologue, you're mm-hmm. like, you know what? I know exactly what Barons is doing, well, and not this only, is fucking great. Not only does he call out, it's brilliant, because he calls out the problems that the show has put itself in. It calls out his own shortcomings or his own things that he wished had gotten off the ground that didn't. Right. He's like, no more failed spinoffs. Like, I'm like, oh, that had to hurt to write. But it's funny that he put it in there. Yeah, well, that's classic. That's, that's, like that's what the writers do. That's a lot of on them On this do show, that. yeah. And the idea of how Chuck acts, how God acts. Also, yes, a little corny at times. But by the end of the episode, I was sitting here saying, you know what? This makes a lot of fucking sense. Yeah. I don't want, I don't like it, but it makes a lot of fucking yeah, it, sense. It works. There was a lot of things that I, I, I didn't particularly want to like even care that they went back and did, but I know that it had to be done. And it was like, there were just a couple of things I rolled my eyes at and it was, but other than that, it was a, it was a, a good episode. And I'm glad that, that Barron's got to tie up a few things that again, I wasn't the most excited about in general, but I think he deserved that. And, but yeah, there were a couple of times I was like, like Mike said, the first initial part of it, I was just, I was like, at the uh, very beginning, I got scared. I'm like, yeah. Oh shit. I was like, here we go. But then I, I totally understood what he was doing and it, it was yeah. great. Yeah. Same. Now in this episode, we did in fact get the fact that the answer to the idea that Chuck is the creator of everything, that all these multiverses, all these different worlds is different drafts. For him, as Michael said in season 14, he's a writer and he just kept coming up with ideas and, and moving on past them. We do get some confirmation as to how that worked. We get an idea of how Sam and Dean play into it. One thing that I loved and we'll get into it a little bit was the fact that they are, quote, the real Sam and Dean. A question we've had yep. forever yeah. that if this wasn't done properly would undo everything about this show it would undermine their importance as, their importance as the, in the universe yeah. and their importance in this narrative and their importance as this version of sam and dean dude this episode needed to happen that needed that desperately yeah. needed that we get some conclusions with kaya or dark kaya at the very least we get an idea of how sam and dean are going to play a role in the end of chuck we get an idea of how the universe fundamentally works dude the messengers of god's destruction how pimp is that <laughs> that's a great that's that a great so title cool. it was really that cool. looks great on a business card Fuck the yeah. chosen ones i mean that was cool for a while now we get the messengers of god's destruction holy shit yeah and then we get some fan moments like castiel and jody finally meeting which we can all appreciate and enjoy for the the brief moment of happiness that we get in this show these days uh, and a shitload of other little details, like I said, that not only work for how they've portrayed Chuck God in this, not just for this universe, but how sitting there myself, I'm thinking, you know what? If I was told this is how it actually is in the real world, if some hunter came up to me and like, yeah, magic's real and all this stuff. And here's Chuck and here's God. And yeah. this is how it works. I'd sit there and say, that makes sense. Yeah. I'd be depressed, but it makes sense. And to be able to do that is pretty fucking impressive. And like you said, Mike, we needed this episode. So without further ado, let's jump into it. Ryan, can you give me a synopsis, please? Sure can. Sam and Dean respond to a frantic call and assist in an extraordinary and heartbreaking rescue. Billy surprises everyone with a visit to the bunker. 
And as we said, written by Robert Barons and Meredith Glynn. He did the teleplay. They both worked on the screenplay. And this one, let's just jump into the, as the episode did, yeah, very first thing, it. God talking to the audience. And when he said, I need an audience, I half laugh, half groaned. I was like, ah, oh, you prick. You know, I'm watching this like, but it's, it's, I've never had an experience with a meta narrative be so on point and yet still annoying. Yeah. Well, like yeah. Deadpool usually fit to like, wow, that's funny because it's a TV show, movie, comic book, and I yeah. can enjoy it. Or they miss the mark entirely with the meta narrative and break things. And this has been this perfectly horribly written line of, I don't like this, but there's nothing I can say about this that's wrong. Yeah. And the thing that, that really makes it interesting with him talking, like, yes, I, I felt the same way, Thomas. Like, I sort of rolled my eyes, but at the same time, I'm like, God damn it. He's literally talking to me. Yeah. And I can't, I can't like, I can't refute any of it. It sucks. You you want to be like, but then you're like, fuck. Well, because the, the first rule of breaking the fourth wall and doing that whole meta style of writing, there's got to be a smart, clever way. You need to find a way to hide it. And yeah. so that everyone else around you doesn't realize you're talking outside of the story. Yeah, she can't be Zach Morris and Saved by the Bell and wink at the camera and everyone sees <laughs> wow, what you're yeah. doing. That's a good one, yeah. But the way they... The reason why they did it, it all worked out. And it made perfect mm-hmm. sense how they did it. Yeah. But yes, those opening few seconds, I was I was scared, yeah, as I said. close, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it, like you said, th- these are things that need to be done uh, we've been asking since the alternate realities yep. were introduced, how does God really fit into the cosmos? And we we got those answers. Well, we, we said that before when the empty was introduced. Is God, therefore, the ultimate power or is he subjugated, subjugate to the cosmic entity? We do know now that he is the creator of all these realities. He is the one who put it together. He's the one who can destroy them. He's not just creation and Omar's just destruction, which I think could play into the end game here as well, the, the end of the season. But he is the one who designed the whole thing. Everything. Even why are there... Remember we asked just a few weeks ago, why are there Reapers? Mm-hmm. Why is there death? And I guess now we can assume he is by default the creator of the empty. Because he set things in motion, he became part of the framework and these things evolved and created in order to create the balance that would be needed to essentially keep the world going as he's off creating other worlds. And that's one thing that I wanted to bring up here. Is that basically saying, like, like, I know there's a story that references that, but the idea that this creator became so obsessed with what they're making that they became part of it. I know there's like a science fiction story yes. about that. Well, there's also literature. There's like yeah. Greek, some of the Greek epics were that uh, used those types of story elements. Yeah, and almost like... Uh, They're the creator of their own demise. And that worked so well with this as well. Like the, even the idea of narcissism that... Oh, yeah. He stared into the reflection and became so enamored with it that that's all his life was in, in that ancient Greek story. That is in essentially what Chuck has done. He is so crazy obsessed with this real first original version of events that he has destroyed everything else crisis on infinite earths just erased realities to solely focus all his energies on this and you would think that he after all these millennia would just move on to something else or 
make different versions, but he's that twisted. And it really is kind of that mad scientist, that mad creator who can never just leave well enough alone. But as you said, Mike, evolution, it's taken on a life, a of, life its of its own. Sam and Dean have taken on a life of its own. These are the two, which not exactly said, but pretty much fucking said, these are the real ones who have challenged him, defied him, let him down, and therefore are the most interesting to him, which also, in my eyes, fixes the idea of free will in a lot of ways. Oh, for sure. Because they have it. This reality, at least, has that. Maybe not all of them, where Demon Dean ends up killing Sam or Lucifer Sam sets Dean on fire, where he's been able to control the events the way he, he has, wants to he see had, it. He can't control them. But these two, he can't control because why else would they have disappointed him? Why but, else would he and, even be in, but, obsessive? But what a, what a better mind fuck to show them that he's controlled these other ones to make them think that they are being controlled. And I think completely it makes a lot of sense for him to play that card because now that he gives them, it gives Chuck a false sense of I have control now because they think that I have control. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really cool kind of like concept of, you know, he knows that he can't do it. But if I play this card and show them images of me controlling other versions of them, they might begin to believe that I can control them and operate the way that I want them to. And I think it's pretty interesting that you see in that first opening scene where he's literally showing the different versions of Sam yeah. and Dean, like, and he knows, he knows deep down that he can't control them, but he's trying to play that card to make them think. And I think um, what, it, what they were trying to do or say with the whole idea that, you know, as Billy had stated that he created or implemented a, a Swiss watch aspect, something to keep the world's working without his presence. By doing that, he a pretty, he pretty much allowed the world to evolve on its own. And that's why all these other things came about in order to create that balance. And that's possibly the very reason that we may find out why Sam and Dean do in fact have control over their life, that something pertaining to the, the Swiss army watch mentality that they managed to take control of their own life because of the neglect of this world, him going off to other worlds, being obsessed, doing other things. And by default, he lost control, which essentially is that not what he did? I mean, that's what he said at the very beginning of the episode. Mm -hmm. All of this is pointless. It's distraction. Mm -hmm. I'm losing control of the actual story that I like, that I care about, that's important, which is meta, by the way, mm -hmm. because let's be honest, the alternate universe's idea was cool at first, but it created this convoluted. Uh, it itself became a distraction. It was a distraction. It was convoluted. It created questions where there didn't need to be questions. And that's why I thought that entire scene was just genius, because let's just fucking knock it away. Let's get rid of it. Let's get back to the basics. So I think because of it. Chuck's very actions, his obsessive nature, by default, that's the reason why Sam and Dean managed to gain control of their life. And not just Sam and Dean, maybe there's other people in this in this world. This world as a whole seems to be in control of themselves. Well, I love the idea. You very possibly true, yes, but I love the idea behind this whole thing. Like you said, it was very meta to have Chuck himself say, All this other shit is distractions, which we've said before, has very much been an embodiment of dab. And the idea that these other things that have been done are distractions. That Lovecraftian creature from The Thing doesn't matter. That world's erased. It was never relevant. This story is the one that matters. And I also like the simplicity in this 
loophole, basically, this way to defeat God, that it's so simple, but it makes sense. It's very much like a garden. If you want to start it, it takes a lot of work in the beginning and you have to set things up and you have to constantly tend to it. Otherwise, it'll go crazy and get all kinds of messed up, but eventually it can move on without you. But you also have to spend all your time tending to it. If the universe did not have some sort of swish watch aspect to where Chuck could walk away, thereby damning himself to be a part of it, it wouldn't be what he fell in love with in the first place. It wouldn't have a life of its own. By taking care of it, by he tying his very entity life force to it, metaphorically or like physically, mm. he both is controlled by this despite it being his creation and i think that like any creator is a very simple way to make a meta concept work in this universe that made sense because if he stops it stops so he has to continue and therefore has a weakness by being tied to that it worked great and barons did a great job of cutting through all this other nonsense to get down to what really fucking matters, and that is Sam and Dean. And the important aspect of them that we've been talking about for years now, with all of these new worlds being brought into canon, along with the concept of free will seeming all but destroyed during Dab's run, we as an audience needed confirmation, needed it to be said to us that Sam and Dean are in fact unique, that they have some control over this world, their destiny, their livelihoods. Because if that wasn't the case, what was the point of 15 years? What have we been watching? Which is what I was getting scared of when, you know, we find out this season that, yeah, guess what? You have no free will. Well, here comes Barron's and, and he saves the day. Yeah. And, and my and dad, I'm sure had some story notes uh-huh. there. I'm sure this is his show overall, but you know, Barron's being the one to to sort through all that mess. He did a great job putting that importance back on Sam and Dean. Because you're right. That's something that was really just taken. It was very taxing for me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's why I haven't been as motivated and excited about this season. Because it, it, turning God evil, it just, it did, it destroyed so many things for it me. It does. And I'm not saying as a fan, but it just, it kind of undermined so much. But after learning some of these things it doesn't make it hurt so bad it it, you start seeing the logic in many of those decisions and you start to understand what they're what type of story this this is yes it's not going to take away the fact that there's still a lot of missed opportunities and a Mm -hmm. lot of meandering yeah but the fact that they took the time to really sort through all of these things because honestly and that's the genius thing about this episode thomas is that it feels like Barons took four years of of Dab's run <laughs> and sorted through the most important parts and tried to flesh those ideas out. It does it not feel like he did that in this episode? It's it's if you had a bunch of sawdust on a table and a couple of pieces you were actually working on, and you just took a leaf blower or just blew away all the chaff, all the garbage, and what was left is what exactly that he. This is what's left. All the other irrelevant things, all the other worlds that didn't matter, all the storylines that unfortunately haven't panned out or won't pan out at this point, erase them entirely. And I think that was honestly one of the only ways you could have done this in the amount of time they had 
that I would sit here and say decisions were made in that writing that room before work. this episode. I guarantee it, Thomas. There were they had to be. There were decisions. There was a there was a roundtable meeting. I don't know if it was Singer, Dab, and Barons, since all three of them are executive producers, around with uh, Buckner and Eugenie. There there was a meeting mm-hmm. because this episode feels like a massive reset. It's a big shift. Really, it, yes. Because there's no more, well, we're kind of getting towards it and maybe Chuck's writing different drafts and I guess Becky will come back at some point or are we finally starting the story now? Is this ghost apocalypse, end of Sam and Dean rewrites, their luck and their meta characters are going to be an element. It it didn't matter until now, until there's nothing else that matters. It is just them. It is just Sam and Dean versus Chuck. and we needed that. There was just this sense of, I, I guess you can say like a stitching of emotional and narrative continuity because even patch job. No, I don't want to say patch. I just, I feel like he was taking all the things that we needed to see from previous episodes. Like the moment with Jack touching Mary Winchester's initials. Like, I don't feel like anyone else would have done that. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, Hey, you remember Jack's back? And the last time we saw the real Jack, he murdered people and Mary Winchester. Let's mm-hmm. remind the audience that this is a thing. Well, let's not forget that Jack may be wrestling with the, with this, that he's remorseful, that he regrets what he did. Just little things like that is why Barron's is such a good writer. Well, I love he that reminds it you and yeah. it, it took what all of five seconds and it adds so much to the episode. Things well, like that. I love that it came right after Sam said, we don't even know if he has a soul or how he's dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And then we see him have an emotional moment and remember what he did. Right. To give us an idea of what soul or not, there's still the person we know as Jack is still there somehow in some form is still around. And yeah, he, he did. It's maybe not a patch job, but like taking those threads that were just kind of strewn about and seeing if he can make, a quilt, a, a makeshift blanket or something out of it and put these threads together into something greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. And a moment like that, the initials, it's just, it reminds of that, that y- it's y- a 10 second tw- shot. 12, 12 episodes have passed. Wait, how many episodes have passed since she died? Oh shit. Uh, uh, like, 20 maybe. I think it was like episode yeah. 16. Okay. So let's say 20 episodes. But that's a long time. Mm-hmm. But to our characters, the time hasn't passed as as quickly. So we sometimes forget that something that might have happened a year and a half ago for us, for the audience, only happened just, you know, a couple months, mm-hmm. three right. months. And these things, that's why it's so important when you write TV shows, when you write serialized television, you have to remember that time passes differently when you're writing a serialized show. And this is something that's very important when you are a writer on these types of shows. The the quick reminder that these things are still fresh on the minds of our characters, of our characters, especially you're dealing with Mary Winchester. We can't, there's Dean's mother. Yep. And that's why I was a little upset when I forgot what episode it was when they, when they had said that she's happy and she's in heaven. I'm like, Oh, what a way to just put her away after you brought her for two, three years. (laughs) <laughs> you know, but things like this remind us that that her presence is, is there and her death does matter. And well, it worked. Well, I think the thing, that's, even if it's just an emotional, uh, 
even if it's her death is just used as an emotional moment, it still serves a purpose. It's good writing. Well, it's a 10 second shot that gets a desired reaction from something that as fans, I like 10 second shots. <laughs> that's a, wow. That's like what? Seven, eight jets. That's pretty, uh, it's impressive, dude. Um, no, I just feel like it's a very quick shot that gets the entire desired effect and reminds the the fans of things. And it's not overly like, you know, in your face, like going backwards or using a, a, a flashback or it's just something real quick that mm-hmm. reminds the fans. And like Mike said, it, it's been, or, you know, 20 episodes, but for our characters, it's been what, like a couple Maybe like a month or two, a fraction of the time. Yeah, it's been fr- for us. so we always forget that. I think that's it's, uh, whatever the time is. It's it's short enough for our characters still to, to remember still be, it, yeah, and still for it to be, and for it to still to be a soft spot, right? No, well, I, and it's it, it's a nice way to harken back to our roots. These tiny little heartfelt moments, right? Of the the initials in the Impala way back in season five, and the music kicks in. Like mm-hmm. these are the moments that always stick with fans far longer than sweeping epic moments. I think, and it it was nice to see someone put in that little detail that shows, as you said, how much they care, how much he's tied to this show, and how much he's plugged into the right stuff. Now, moving into some of what he had personally invested in this episode to work with. The Wayward Sisters spinoff wrap up, because that's essentially what this was. We got yeah. the final closing elements for Dark, or as we, he calls her, not Kaya, which I loved that too. <laughs> Dude, that was so, that made me so happy for like, even if it's not because of anything we've done, I was just a tiny moment. I felt like I mattered. <laughs> you, you, wow. That, you <laughs> do matter, Thomas. Not to me. Thank you, Ryan. You're Keeping me level headed. Everyone's got to keep, you know, keep you in your place, man. <laughs> But it was it was nice to see that be addressed because that was one of my bigger things with what do we still need to see before season 15 ends, the dark Kaya storyline. I wanted to see the Canids one more time. I wanted to have, and I think I even said on the episode, even if it's just a brief element or, or some sort of concluding right. aspect of that, we needed to have it. And additionally, whenever we can get Kaya in an episode, it's probably going to be a pretty good episode. They have been historically so far because not only is the character pretty damn interesting, but the actress is very, very good. She does a great job of this character. And in this episode, we got to see her duality, both the dark side of her and the more innocent, the the hot, fiery, sexy side. And then the girl next door side. Right. Like is that a good way to? That's a good way. Yeah, I like both of those. Yeah, is that a good douche ex- uh, description? Uh, I mean, I yeah, I could have douched it up a, enough. I could have made it a little. It bit was it was a good amount, the right amount of douche. I like Dark Kaya. She's my she's my. Yeah, if she had tattoos, she, you'd be all over. Oh, if she had tattoos. I'd. Die. She might. She's all. She's wearing a full piece suit. Yeah, she's, never wearing, know. A, she's wearing a. Jedi, I'm gonna look her up on Jedi Instagram. <laughs> like, you, you gonna follow her? What's her name? Are you gonna slide her? You gonna slide her DMs? Idira Gavara Prip. Creep. There you go. Go yeah. look at that. You know, Slide those DMs. <laughs> Give me them tattoos, girl. Mm. Now, that was a mm. it was a nice send-off for her character that actually did carry some emotional weight, and he Barons closed it out very well. The idea of her trying to make amends in some way, trying right. to do the right thing. Because at first we think it's this selfish we want to go home just because fuck you. 
we know at this time that Chuck's erasing all of reality, so that's not necessarily the best decision. We, we, we know why, yeah. But when she gets there, she's made that decision to stay behind because this is where she belongs and this is her end. And I think in some ways that was her penance for what she did to Kaya by getting her stuck there oh, yeah, absolutely. for two years. I mean, there's no way that's not. It's a repent for her own misgivings, her own misdoings. And seeing that entire sequence where the sky itself is pouring this white ash cloud of death and destruction straight through the forest, mm -hmm. straight at Kaya as she raises her hands to the sky as the world is destroyed around her. I mean, that's a depressing as fuck, especially given today's current situation and climate. But, <laughs> but it was also a very beautiful, poignant moment. And it was a nice send off, I think for her character. It, would have been nice, I really do think, and, and this is something you said earlier, Mike, to get more of that, to see what Baron's... More moments like that, you mean? Not only moments of, like that, but yeah. more of that storyline. That narrative oh, yeah. could have been so much more intrinsically tied to the goings-on, especially since season 14 with the spear being the only weapon that could hurt Michael. And then it just... You gotta pick your battles, you know? And then it's just not brought up again. Baron's is it, the showrunner. I know. I know, and I'm not saying that they should have just, well, maybe they should have just fired somebody, but but <laughs> it would have been better. I agree, because that moment, first off, I have not been given an emotion, pushed into an emotional edge mm -hmm. all season with this show. And there's yeah. something about that moment when the 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 destruction of her world and she just raises her her arms in the sky and just accepts it. It just conveys this emotion. And for the first time all season, for the first time, I feel like this is the final season of Supernatural. Yes. There was something in that moment. And that's that's fucking well, because, beautiful writing because it conveyed a thought. It was an emotion. It, yes, a feeling. it was. Yes, that the, the obvious it's about Kaya. But the feeling that it conveyed was, hey, this is the end. Yeah. The show's over. It just it brought this feeling of closure and impending end. It was a great and I moment. I think not only does that emotionally resonate with us as fans because it's the final season, but it's it's a very relatable thing. Whether it's you know the end of days, end of worlds, or just letting something else end and having to unfortunately accept that it's a painful moment. It's a powerful moment, and it was done very well. And I think there's no way Barons couldn't feel that same level of pain because this was his idea that he never got to see fully realized. And now he's killing it. Oh, you mean so, you got to be passionate as a writer or oh, actually care what? about something Fuck. to actually convey that type of feeling in a show. I thought I could just eat hoagies and write Maybe whatever came Dab to my mind. should write subway commercials. Something he could be subway. passionate about. I don't molest children. Oh, see, Sorry, I, what? I, I think this entire thing is a double edged sword for me. And what I mean by that is that going back to what Thomas said about if they'd have spent more time on this, maybe earlier in the mm -hmm. season, it would have had more of an impact on me watching this episode. Yeah. But I'm sitting there the whole time saying we're wasting half an episode on this when we should have been addressing yeah. this way earlier. But yeah, you were and, saying that. And I, and, I, and I sit here and I watch this and I'm like, dude, I expect the final season of a show where you've been on air for 15 years for every episode to be epic and blow my fucking mind. And here we are addressing something that we could have addressed last season or the beginning of this season and really paved the way for the second half of this season to really be 
great. Now, I'm not saying that I didn't think that wrapping up Kaya needed to be, it absolutely needed to be done. And I think we had discussed that in our, mm-hmm. in, in the, um, well, the, the, the what needed to happen before yeah, the show ends. And, and I think, like, I am glad they did it. But I, I also look at this as a double-edged sword, as now we wasted half an episode towards the end of the season of our final season of a show that's been so influential in a lot of people's lives on something that we could have addressed maybe last season. I, and, um, and, it, and it bugs me a little bit. And, I, and I'm not playing down how amazing Kaya is. And we I think we all know that I liked her whole arc i loved the spear i loved everything about it it just really i was watching this scene and i'm like this is almost too late for me and i hate to say that and i hate to be negative because the scenes was cool. i don't think you're being negative i think there's that's a fair argument i mean yeah who's to say you're wrong you're not i mean that's how you feel and i could definitely see your point because this season has stutter stepped so i yeah. can definitely see how an episode like this could feel like hey you know we're kind of we're kind of wasting time but see the way i look at it is i feel like nothing was just about dark kaya and some and when you write a tv show like this episode sometimes there's the obvious overt tangible narrative the things you can see right and then there's not just the obvious subtext but then there's emotional subtext as well and I feel like that's what Kaya's story was more about. It, yes, you can wrap it out. You can wrap it up. Absolutely. That's what they were trying to do. Wrap up a plot right, that right, needed to right. be wrapped. But also there was an emotional subtext because it helped aid in a yeah. feeling. It was giving us a, a feeling that needed to be felt while watching this episode. So the way I look at it is I don't feel like we were wasting any time because they definitely tackled the major myth arc. Her end, Dark Kaya's story, was directly connected to Chuck's endgame, the destruction of her world and her need to get back. It was tied into Chuck. So, I mean, and also they, I mean, let's just talk about the Kaz situation. They're also in a lot of ways. Yes, we finally got to see Kaz and Jody meet, right? For the first time. I completely had not even remembered that they had never met in person. Same, like when dude. you said, yeah. I was like, what? yeah, I, I forgot too. Yeah. But the moment that Kaz and Jody had was also purposeful because yeah. this was them closing out another story arc. Right. Castiel and Claire's story by way of their conversation, reminding us about that relationship right. to put a nail in that story. It's right. done. The Castiel and Claire thing is done and it's time to move on. They gave Claire a happy ending. She has her girlfriend back and she will be happy. Right. So there was a, that's why I love this episode because they were doing so much all while working towards the bigger picture, working on that myth arc. It was nice to have a dark Kaya's and the wayward sister stuff definitely piggybacked onto meta narrative aspects of this season's major problems. And I think it was a very smart way to do it. The worlds are ending because Chuck wants to focus on just the story that matters. What worlds do we have unfinished? Dark Kaya, let's wrap all this up and give us some emotional closure as we also have that moment as fans where we as Dark Kaya are going to have to be the ones who just accept that this is coming to an end. Right. I thought it worked out very, very well. Now, whether that'll work out all the way to the end, we'll see because Billy's plan is iffy, shaky, a little suspect, suspect at best. You know, does anybody else think she's being completely open and honest about what that means with following the rules? Like, 
I, so, okay, Does, is so anybody we, taking that at face value? It's interesting that she brings that up because we've seen her do nothing but want to follow the air quotes rules. So it's really hard to not think she's telling the truth about that. I also think that this goes back to that cosmic, you know, problems they were talking about, you know, last season. And I think we're going to see the full effect of that. Dude, if they're smart, they will take us all the way back to cosmic consequence. Yes. If they're smart, yeah. because that's been her single. That's her thing. Man. That's her single character arc yeah. for the most part. Cosmic consequence and rules. Yep. And the way she said rules, the way she was willing to kill her own soldier for breaking rules. Did miss a beat. Holy shit. And I think that is a, a little bit of a foreshadowing of how she is willing to act in terms of keeping the rules mm-hmm. in place. I don't think she's evil. I don't think no, she's bad. She's objective. I think she's objective. And if that objectivity means a, a sorry, sad end for Sam and Dean, then in her eyes, so be it. She's not. She's not doing She's it maliciously. Not, right. It's yeah. the rules. In order to maintain the balance of the cosmos and put an end to Chuck's fuckery, there's rules that need to be followed. So, yes, I think there's more to it. I don't think she's lying to them, I, I but I don't think it's going to be what they all want. Oh, absolutely not. It can't be. Yeah. You know, if Chuck, if Jack kills Chuck, It'll cost them something. There's that, no that way you just. sounds like a math problem, a word problem. <laughs> if Chuck has 700 million worlds and takes away 698 million. Because the word problems back in the day were always those simple white boy names too, like Jack and Chuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If Jack kills uh, Susie Chuck and Billy seven times in seven different universes, what would the cost be? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? He would be Jet Li. He'd become the one. So stupid. There's, there's definitely going to be some sort of. <laughs> Slapped in the dick moment, as is slapped in the taint. Slapped a, Ooh, a taint a flick, punch, a flick right in the taint. There's Oof. always been some sort of taint punch in Supernatural. Nothing has ever come for free. Nothing has ever worked out 100% their way. They've never had a clean and concise win. And theoretically, you'd say this would be the time when they get that, but that wouldn't fit, I don't think. So there's going to be something whether Jack can no longer live on earth with them because heaven's falling apart and they need a new God. And if he takes out Chuck, he must take that mantle. He, he take, it's, it's like he kills him. He has and to it might be spot. something similar to what you had originally proposed, Ryan, where if Sam and Dean lead heaven and hell, you know, they're forever away can never be the brothers anymore. Yeah. They can't be together. Maybe this will yeah. be something similar where, you know, they love Jack as their own son, but he has to be somewhere that they can't interact with him anymore and maybe heaven and hell finally need to stay closed to some degree what what if what if the end for all this to make sure nothing ever happens again right in order to put god away they have to actually close not just the gates of heaven and hell but the gates of all magic a magicless world kind of thing Yes, the world is now completely cut off from all forms of supernatural in order to keep the world safe. And no more fuckery from anyone, whether it be Sam and Dean trying to cheat death or other hunters or some other bad guy that has some agenda or plan. What if the the end game is, hey, no supernatural. It's all gone. Everything is normal. I mean, I mean, that would also give. You know, if Sam and Dean survived, that would be a way to 
That would work, dude. That, that would be a that, strong end game. That would be a way to give Sam and Dean a definitive happy ending that nothing could ever come their way again because there is no supernatural. And they oh, can actually man. live. They can actually live a normal life without feeling that they have to carry on this thing. This this. uh the load of the world, if you will. Yeah, or taking the, a fat load from the world. Yeah, oh, God. taking the big old world's big old fat balls big to the chin. Dong. <laughs> they yeah. can finally just live a life. It's it, just them at that point. I never want Sam and Dean to quit. Like, there's a part of me that thinks they can't. We've already seen that right. they can't and that yeah. they don't really want to. But yeah. what if they're forced to? Hey, listen, it's done. There's nothing for you to fight. The, the, the world is normal. The supernatural is gone. Live a happy life. I would actually oh, believe be it cool. then. I'd be, I'd be yeah, cool that, that would be the only way I'd believe that could happen. For them to have a, a supernatural free life is for there to, to be, be no, no supernatural. supernatural. Yeah. Because oh, we know man, from things cool. like break. What if that's meta? Oh, they can, dude, it's meta too. Supernatural's fuck, over. Fuck you. Super, right. Supernatural's over and there's no supernatural. The only way for you to no longer have to do it is if the show itself ends but, and that's why it's the end of the story. God damn it, Mike. Oh, fuck. God damn why it. are we not there, writing there's this? There's no way. God, there's, look, damn it. Don't get your hopes up, guys. There's no way Dab's going to do it that cool. It's okay? too smart. It's too cool. Yeah. That would work, though. That yeah, really so fucking insane. would. If you're going to go the meta route, that would be the only way to truly do it is to end. This. That's Dark yeah. Tower shit. Dude. Yeah, dude. Fuck me. That'd be good. I'd hate it, though, at the same time, because it means the show's over. Or is it? Dun dun. No. Uh, man, that's a lot to think about, dude. And that is probably the good sign of a good episode that there is so much to think about. That's so many things, even in tiny little throwaway sentences like, oh, like she was right about the Malik box that kind of closes up <laughs> ideas. Which Thank you, by the way, because yeah. I was that was one of those things. I was like, OK, what the fuck was the point? Yeah. For half a season, you know, to, to have little bits of closure there to wrap up Wayward Sisters, to really move the needle in an effective way, not ghosts running down the street oh isn't this apocalypse scary not my shoulder you mean the, par- oh, the party damn. city commercial the party city uh, none Hall- of this halloween like, town commercial yeah none of this oh my shoulder aches halloween if town. only i had some icy hot well sam just stopped caring so that solved that problem like <laughs> none of these other little elements even michael's spell that was like hey you want a lotus or a leviathan blossom here you go figured that out didn't matter all these other things have been washed away by the fact that these worlds are being washed away. And that could be a really fucking strong closer for this season. And that'll make me upset. It really will. But I, I'm mad. I'm going to say that I'm mad that this episode was good in a way. Wait, what? Because, dude, you honestly, are such an entitled little I, bitch. I am. Hear, hear me out right now. <laughs> no, no, no. From an entitled you're little upset bitch. upset that it was good. Because it took 12. I am upset that this is a good episode. Because it took 12 episodes to get my hopes up just for them to be dashed upon the rocks in eight uh, episodes when it shows over. Listen, we're not in the we're not in the clear yet either. Let's, no, we're let, not. Let's just. And I'm yeah. being I'm but, being facetious. I'm obviously happy that it's a fun good episode but it's like god damn it i want this like ryan said i want this all the time and each time i get one i know i'm one less forever yeah that fucking and then, sucks and then it'll be supernatural free oh man that works too i'm mad that you came up with that if that happens dude yeah it'd be good Wait, though hey, listen they have time to rewrite 
the yeah coronavirus is is, is helping him. Uh, See how everyone Baron's feels. Is listening right now, he's like, "Shit, I'm gonna write this fucking shit down." He's all like, "How can I plan an accident and Dab just dies?" Oh, oh Jesus! He gets a, I'll cough on him every day. Yeah, and then if Singer tries to take over, I'll just punch him in his heart. <laughs> I'm just saying that's what Barons is saying. Oh, Tony Stark. Listen, I'm not. Just, I'm not. Wow. I'm not advocating murder. I'm, it's all parody. Uh huh. It's in the form of satire. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we need one of those disclaimers. Like the shows, the ex- opinions expressed on this show, we have that. It's it's uh, explicit All content. Right. So that's true. So moving into final thoughts for this episode, we sadly have another little hi- hiatus coming up here. But we've got what is that now? Five? I think we'll have what six episodes in a row. Four, four episodes in a row. Sweet. Oh, a whole month. Hooray. No, maybe six. Maybe you're right. Well, I math's mean, hard. I mean, maybe. Maybe we'll have that. They'll, they'll cancel TV for <laughs> coronavirus. That's Ryan, why you should have studied that math problem. If Jack killed Chuck <laughs> seven times. Ryan, what do you give this episode? What are your final uh, thoughts? I'm going to give this episode. I'm going to give this episode a 79. Oh, you're a bastard. Uh, was that what you're going to give it? No. Oh, uh, I'm going to give it a 79. I, and I, the reason being is I'm. I enjoyed the episode. It was a good episode. I just, for the reasoning about what I said earlier, I just, I felt like it's, these are items that unfortunately Barron's was stuck with having to close this out. And, and, and it also, you know, because it's his baby, it was the thing that he wanted to do. He kind of, he was, he kind of had to do this and I get that, but I think these could have been handled way earlier. This could have been, you know, the first part of this season. And I think it was something that is for me, unless we see something else towards the end of this, this season, it just seemed like it was in the wrong place. Um, well, there's actually something to, to kind of piggyback on that thought just a little bit here. Um, there was with the wayward sister, cause you're talking about the wayward sisters element being part of this, right? And, right, ending right. That. and, and, and having to end the whole Kaya thing and everything. Yeah. So Robert Barron's wrote after this episode, this is from him quote, the arc of season one of wayward sisters was always going to be to broadly was going to be broadly dark Kaya versus the wayward sisters culminating in Kaya's rescue and dark Kaya's tragic defeat. I always wanted to make that death right, but with the limited real estate on supernatural, I had resigned myself to Kaya just simply being dead. It was only by embedding it within season 15 stories uh, Chuck, Jack's return to the bunker, Billy's plan, that it felt like it was possible to tie that loose end in a relevant and appropriate way. Originally, it was apparently supposed to happen uh, here. Beginning of the season, Jared and Jensen spoke with the writers about the final season. Most of the convo was about the ending, but when loose ends came up, Jensen made a point of wanting part two of the Dark Kaya Spear saga. It was an important one because Dark Kaya's promise in, to Dean in episode nine was so loaded, that whole, you know, bring this back or else or or else and we never resolved it the plan was to do it in season 14 but it never happened jensen agreed that it mattered and gave me some time and some steam to push for it so that that was intended to be part of something else there you go why why do you ever challenge barons well let the man fucking let him fucking do his thing yeah let the dude fucking write so why why would you ever stifle a writer like this because you're an idiot why like if any if i was the showrunner ego, and barons is like hey i need to do this i'm like fucking bro right <laughs> like do it so uh, that 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 for me it, it just it it seemed out of place and, and, and clearly it was out of place mm-hmm. uh, according to barons so i i 
but there were some really cool aspects. I love some of the shots. Uh, I, I thought Chuck was awesome in this episode, and 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 I typically yeah yeah yeah. I, yeah I liked him finally again. It was it was it was coming to terms with who he is and what his plan is, and knowing that I am God. And I need to wipe out all these other distractions and focus on the main, yeah. at which when you start thinking about it, is like, that's what a villain does. Right. But at the same time, he's still at a quandary of like, how can I control Sam and Dean? And I know I can't. So it was a really cool aspect. And I love how they use this, the ultimate TDs. And I got a really vibe. Ultimate of like, titties. Uh, alter, alter like. TVs with the oh, alternate, like, sorry. That the ultimate oh, titties. I, no, I, this one looks titties, left, this I, one's it, right. I think, yeah. Did I miss the ultimate titties? No, Shit. If, if I wanted to say alternate titties, <laughs> I would have said alternate titties. Um, but with the TVs, and I got, like, the vibe of, um, this is going to sound so stupid, but, like, the Matrix where they, they, they meet the construct and he has all the TVs and all the stuff. Like, that's what I got. I got that vibe mm-hmm. of, like, I created all this. I can take all this away. And I thought that was really cool. And I yeah. loved the shot and personally, I thought it was really, oh, you'll be fine. Everything's fine. He walks out the door and the fucking comet, meteor just drills yeah, the meteor. fuck. Yeah. Like, He's I was such like, an asshole. He too. is an asshole. Yeah. Like, but I, I, that did work for me. Yeah, it did. And I, I actually thought. I really liked him this episode. The fact he's eating popcorn while he's watching worlds destroy. And like that's literally billions of people dying. Yeah. He's just eating popcorn. Dude, trillions. No this thing. is this, trillions. Yeah, quintillions. Trillions. This yeah. is multiple universes. Yeah. So I think the only thing that brought this down for me was just I felt like it was a little too late. And, and again, we just got it from Baron's <clears throat> mouth. So I gave it a 79. It is. Okay. That's what I gave it. Mike, what about you? Final thoughts. I love the episode. It's probably one of the best. It is. It is the best episode of the season. I think I'm trying to think we've had so many breaks and that is true. It kind of makes it hard to keep the story together. I'm going to give this a 90. I I thought it was just perfectly written and I'm not going to fault the episode for some inconsistencies or, uh, you know, even possibly what going by with, with what, Going by what Ryan said with how it might have felt out of place with the Dark Kaya stuff, um, because as an episode, everything worked. I didn't I didn't feel like we were meandering. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like they were trying to fill time. Uh, it was dual purposed. You had the uh, parallel narratives. They all intertwined and worked to push the the mythos forward and get us to where we need to be. This episode is pretty much everything that the rest of the season has not really been. It actually moved the story forward. It also gave us a feeling of closure or at least that impending end that we need to feel. We have to be watching every episode of this show. It's the final season and we need to feel the pain in our guts knowing yeah. that the end is here. And so far, it to me, it just felt like it's been business as usual. Hey, it has been episode by episode. Here's the problem. Here's the fix. And I I just don't feel like this is the end. This episode made me feel like this is the end. So I give it a 90%. It's excellent work. All right. Uh, For me, I I do think you're right. Probably this might be the best episode of the season. The only other one that came close really now that I look at and think back was number four, Atomic Monsters with Davey Perez, where we first see Chuck erase Becky and figure out his story. And that was such a dramatic shift for him where we finally saw his true colors in many respects. And that episode was phenomenal to watch, but it also had a lot of monster of the week. Whereas this wrapped up a lot of things and kept Chuck in the forefront. And you're right. Was the first one to really make you feel like, Oh fuck. 
this is coming to an end and this is biblical apocalyptic proportions. And touching on what you had said a little bit ago, Ryan, Chuck did a great job. Rob Benedict was great as that character in this episode because Mm -hmm. that, as I said earlier in the top of the show, this felt like to me, not only is it kind of annoying meta narrative aspects where I'm like, man, you make Chuck such a bastard from what we liked from season four and five. But at the same time, for the story they are telling, it works. And if someone were to tell me, yeah, God created all these multiverses and he really couldn't give a shit less and your life means nothing to him. And that's why all these terrible things happen a la every day's news occurrence. A la Akbar. A la Akbar. A la Snackbar. Seeing all the, especially I think today in such a cynical world in which so many bad things are happening. If I was told that the big man upstairs is real, but he's watching TV and bored and doesn't really give a shit about you and he's just destroying things because, you know, he has some other plan. It really does work, not only for Chuck in this world, if this is how they want to portray him, but as a writer's idea, a, a creative's interpretation of what God would be, the creator almighty, whatever entity that brought us here. It's such a nihilistic, depressing standpoint, but it works. And it does make me think like, yeah, I would believe that if someone told me that with how things are going right now. Right. It's very believable. Uh, I liked piggybacking Dark Kaya and the Wayward Sisters to this story. It felt like it made sense. It felt like it worked. I love seeing the canons, even if it was for the briefest of moments. At least someone remembered that they existed because those things were fucking cool. I would have loved to see more of them. But it obviously didn't make sense for that. The only thing that I would say held it back a little bit for me is not a fault of this episode, but a fault of... Either A, the show, the spinoff never getting picked up, or B, too many changes and not letting Barons, as you said, Mike, not letting your writer write. Because if Dark Kai and all these other things were supposed to happen in season 14 and be a part of the show from a much earlier stand or point in time, this would have felt a lot more emotionally rewarding. It was emotionally rewarding seeing her end of her world. And as a fan of the show, knowing that's coming to an end, there's a lot of you know, relation parallels you can draw and immerse yourself in that element. But the idea that she was suffering this whole time in the world and wanted to go back and that she had all this remorse and that Kaya, who from what we know of her as a character met Claire and the group of them all of a day and a half before dying and then asks, Hey, is Claire going to be there? And all this emotional moments with these various other characters felt a bit like I was seeing the emotional payoff for a story I never read or never witnessed. And I don't blame this episode for that. I blame the extenuating circumstances around it because if Kaya had been revealed to be alive and we knew she was suffering for a year, you know, at this point, or if dark Kaya had made a couple more appearances or the story had been a bigger part of the overall narrative I think the emotional resonance of her return and survival would have hit me a little bit more. I had the emotional peak when dark Kaya said goodbye to her life and the universe, but Kaya's return element felt a little flat because again, it felt like there's chapters that I never read for this character. And it's very obvious from behind the scenes, how Barron's had this whole other plan set in motion. 
So that's a bit of a subjective gripe, though, for something that's out of the control of this episode. So for me, I give this episode an 88. I thought it was very, very well done. I enjoyed it a lot. Well, you know, fuck it. We'll go with a 90. Yeah, there you go. We'll go with a 90. Well, fuck both of you guys. How about that? This is still the strongest episode, and seeing Chuck just obliterate planets with a comet meteor storm at the end being an asshole as he finishes (laughs) his soda... After telling the guys Finally, it'll be okay. You're going to be cool, what dude. Oh, thanks, man. Annihilated. And then that smirk. He's well, such I, a cock. I guess I'm, I guess I'm chucking this up, this fucking episode. Yeah. So that worked for me and, and setting up some payoff moving forward that this is the end needs to feel like it's the end. Yeah. So that's, that's my final thoughts. The 90 on this one. Now, if we can go two weeks without, you know, another interruption break or some sort of fucking pandemic. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not fun, like, in mid-thrust to have to yeah. stop. Uh, oh, all right. You know? It's just not. Ow, it hurts. Well, Get off my hair. I'm just oh, talking yeah. about interruptions, like in phone calls. Oh, oh Dogs yeah. in the room barking yeah. at you. The phone rings. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. That's not fun. It's not fun to stop. And so can we just continue to climax? No, we're going to blue ball ourselves for God knows how long until these final two episodes are produced. But we'll see what happens there. We've got, well, I think you're right, Mike. I think six more episodes before another forced break or or temporary hiatus. So, And our new live broadcast night is now Tuesdays at 7.15 p.m. Due to the show having moved its schedule, we had to move ours accordingly because... We all work and nobody can start doing a live show at 11 o'clock at night (laughs) over here. Yeah. So. No, thank you. We got six more episodes. Final season. Things have ratcheted up significantly. Hopefully in the next few, it keeps just gas, all gas, no breaks. I know we've said that pretty much every week, but at least it felt like it this time. So with that, we want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for being fans. And we will see you all next time. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.